how do you start a business? You go, you go down the street for a business and you listen to the right. business because you listen to the, what's up? Is that good? I'm cool with this. You had a trip. Maybe there's some lessons you learned along the way of going and being a mobile entrepreneur, going out with the team. Yeah, we went to Vegas. I will say I was in Vegas for seven days. It's far too long. My rule, and I think most people's rule that I speak to, it's 72 hours or less. You don't even have to be doing anything. It's just like the air and the aura and the energy is just like life-sucking. Granted, I know a lot of other people that live in Vegas. They don't live on the Strip, so maybe that's it. But if you're on the Strip for more than three days, every time I go, honestly, it's not just Vegas, but most trips I go on, every time I come back to North Carolina, it makes me appreciate it so much more. We landed. I got out. I, like, smell the air. You smell the greenery. It's, like, clean. I don't know. There's something about, I love the lake in Charlotte, but like just North Carolina in general. I don't know. Every time I go somewhere and I'm gone for more than a few days and I come back, I'm like, man, I can, I appreciate this place. What were your takeaways from Vegas other than don't stay too long? Yeah, it's a reverse logistics logistics conference. It's a little like kind of high level. It's big vendors. I mean, there's some like customers and stuff that you'll meet, but more so just having a chance to get together and shake hands and sit down and break bread. This is definitely a little smaller. When you have some of the relationships with the vendors that we have, it's good to sit down talk with them, do it in person. We also just have this different relationship with our vendors, I think, from most. And we actually just enjoy each other's company, which Mm -hmm. I find rare for most. It's like a lot of times just, again, it's just like very transactional that's just not how we operate so it's nice because it's like we talk business but it's also hey we like to hang out we can just sit down and have some like real conversations just about life and what's going on and and it's just a deeper kind of connection and relationship so but there's a lot of the like conference stuff that like it's just not my jam but rob and franco are that's their wheelhouse they were out there doing a lot of that and i was just doing some high level stuff and then we had some dinners and good conversations, good talks about this year and the next and some growth opportunities. And I don't know, I'm excited. I'm looking to double the size of our business, both personnel wise and money wise. There's always good that comes from those. But sometimes when you go to a conference or just go on a trip for that stuff, it's like you're pandering to a lot of just like the BS that like Mm -hmm. it's just conference shit. But there's always good that comes out of it. A lot of people go to conferences to plant seeds that's all it is like you're just going there and you're planting seeds you're just like interfacing with people it's when you, you have to go through all those motions and then what sifts out of that it's there's some great stuff that comes out i don't know if i'll go to everyone but it's a good reason to get together with people especially if somebody wants to meet it's hey will you be here it's just like a common ground to meet at i think there's a lot of value to that especially if you're trying to grow and build and network in our industry and a couple of the other ones that we're in it's just i think some of it is as we're all in this digital landscape, I think it's pretty cool that we're in an industry where the determining factor of like the real success and growth is like being able to do the person to person stuff. And not everybody can do that. Not everybody's yeah. good at that. There's a lot of people just hide behind the computer and just be away. So I like that we could show up and say like, all right, who's who? Cause like, who am I talking to here? Who are the real players? So like people can have a good shtick on the phone, good yeah. email, like way to write and all this stuff. But I'm like, bro, when I'm in person and we're talking about the industry and like really get into it, I'm like, either you like talk the talk or you don't, right? You could tell who's bullshitting and who's not. And been in conversation, I'm like, damn, I thought this guy was legit, like the guy. And then I talk, I'm like, this guy doesn't know 
shit. It's just like he has this like script that he's stuck to. We're talking about like real challenges in the business and actually trying to solve problems, like not just trying to sell stuff, but go into the back end of what it takes to actually have a viable product and business model in this industry. There's not a lot of people that can talk that talk. And so it's cool when you go and do that because I'm like, I know I'm in this shit. So I can talk about this all day. But some people are just like silent when you meet them. You're like, I don't think you, you are who you purport to be online. The problem is all the topics of conversation seem like these very surface level, like marketable topics, like the buzzword topics. And I'm like, some of the shit we have to talk about is not sexy and it's not buzzwords. It's fucking just brass tacks of, hey, let's talk about us actually caring about solving some of these problems. Like one of their topics was like, holiday season and holiday orders and this is the influx of holiday stuff with these numbers. I'm like, yeah, but like that's inevitable. It's fucking holiday. Like it's coming up. It's Christmas. We're going to see a lot of Christmas trees, a lot of ornaments and a lot of lights and a lot of displays. And we fucking know that, man. That's every year, dude. It's clockwork. That's not what we should be talking about. What we should be talking about is how can we effectively move this stuff during that season or preseason or store stuff for the next season so that we have a bulk of inventory and actually move it and get a higher ROI. How long does it take to move it? Why are we seeing bottleneck challenges to move this stuff? Because like after holiday goes, it's like, yeah, man, cool. Christmas shit isn't good anymore. Until the next year, so it's like maybe it's to talk about developing out partnerships of people that have storage so that they can save it for next Christmas. So then when it's six weeks to Christmas, they have killer sales. And maybe it's better to have a solution to store some of this stuff so we can push it preemptively, not after Christmas comes. And it's just there's real conversations to be having, not hey man, holiday's coming up, but we're going to have holiday inventory and this is the kind of inventory and this is the type of flows and the increase in, we should all be aware of this. If you're not, you're stupid. This is like, how do we actually like strategize to monetize the returns of these types of products? And like, why do we see either a drop in sales volume or a drop in the return or way that we're getting on this product? And it's like, there's real reasons for that. It's like, sometimes it moves too slow. It takes too long to get there. It's like, Maybe we need to map out a better way to handle this solution. So I don't think everybody's thinking that shit. Like I'm yeah. thinking about that and I'm having those conversations with our vendors, but like most of the people that are there, like they don't think that far. It's just like, they don't give a fuck because it's transactional. They're like, well, whatever. Yeah, we'll move it. Like who cares? I'm like, no, I care that we get a good return because I want to build a relationship with the vendor. I want to build out a true program. I want 20 years of sales volume to bank on for the next 20 years. And they're just like, oh, we could move it for you this year, maybe. I'm like, I'm just thinking so long-term and like how I can build this out. And so like, I'm thinking about like, where are the real cruxes that we come across that make this stuff challenging and actually make it hard to move? And like, when are the timeframes that we should be moving it? And what are the alternatives that just trying to move it right now that could, if you were trying to get a better ROI or trying to make it a more viable product line, like how do we structure this in a way that it makes that worth it. Is the storage cost going to be too much to do that? But like pre-Christmas, if you have Christmas shit, bro, you're making bank. But it's like all the Christmas shit comes after Christmas. So it's, if you have somebody liquidating it, it's like, I'll buy it because I know if I had this shit nine weeks ago, bro, I'd be yeah, making so a need, killing. I remember even when I walked into the van store one time and Rob was in there and he introduced me to one of the customers and he was talking about how he had bought all of this outdoor furniture and he was like, we just ended up holding on to it for a year. And in that time, we ended up manufacturing our own cushions to put on them and then sold them for way more than we would have. I think that's one of those things. And it's probably like this in any industry where it's until you've got your ass kicked a few times, you don't really start thinking strategically like that because you just don't have awareness of it. And then you do and you're like, 
Oh, that's how people level up. It's or like it's their ability like, to hold that all year, right? Or have space to hold on to a bunch of fucking furniture and think, well, let's make cushions and sell these for more. It's just real business thought. There's plenty of brokers out there just flipping these return pallets and shit. But it's like, yeah. how do I separate myself from everybody else? Because look at this. If I found a solution for Christmas product like that, or let's say the outdoor cushions, and there's a ton of outdoor product comes with no cushions. And when they liquidate, they're like, man, this doesn't go for shit. And we're just going to flip it for like couple pennies here a couple pennies there and like people are just kicking it down the line but if you're a solutions like that's what we are we're a solutions provider yeah so i'm not here to just be your sales channel like i'm full i'm a full solution top to bottom so i'd go to you be like what's your pain point man this outdoor furniture is a pain point and then i'd go to them and say okay i have a solution for this if we are able to get your outdoor stuff and we're allocated all of it where i know that i can get at least an estimated amount of volume of truckloads and skews of this inventory then I'll work with a cushions manufacturer to do this. And I'll create a whole line of us moving this outdoor stuff with the cushions that I can build a full business off of. That makes me completely different than everybody else is just moving shit. Cause now I'm like, I'm very skilled and I'm very honed in on this one type of product. That's how we grew. Like we were very skilled and honed in on appliances. We know everything about appliances. And then as other things come about, it's like, yeah, this can work in with that because like customers also like, they want appliances, they want to sell tools or they want to sell, kitchen bath vanities or whatever it's like the same thing we get kitchen bath vanities like people get like, they're broken like the top's missing i'm like why don't you go to the vendor and be like give me all the ones with the tops missing because i could probably get them for really cheap because nobody wants that shit then find somebody that can make you tops out of certain material and then fucking make fully built vanities and then fucking mark them up at a higher cost than you get just like liquidating the individual just piece of wood vanity and not having a top with it but it's just, it takes effort and work and time and diligence and like having that relationship and the foresight. A lot of people just don't want to do the fucking work. This is not rocket science. It's just fucking yeah. work. It's problem solving. <laughs> and like every vendor I go to, it's every week. It's like, where can I solve your problems? Plenty of times where stuff comes up where they're like, we could probably do this. But like, they're just like, let's call Phil. Hey, do you have a solution? They're like, yeah, I got it figured out for you. They're like, all right, cool. Because they have a ton of other shit going on. There's so much shit that we're not involved in, even though we're involved in so much shit. Like... It's just they're like, yeah, man, like we don't have the time like we could, but it's a, we have somebody that's doing this and crushing it and they're reliable. They said the reliability of us is so high. They're like, dude, like this is nice. It's like hiring a really good employee when you're like, I don't have to micromanage you and I put you on a task and you tell me you can do it and I can walk away and feel confident. Bro, that's priceless. There's opportunity cost to trying to tackle everything versus being like, this makes way more sense to delegate out. So what's new in the stone world? Yeah. Lots of challenges. What are some of your lessons you're learning? as you delve deeper into that it's always more expensive than how more expensive i thought it was the like week with stone industry is capital intensive i don't know it's just like as we've acquired this new company and new assets and a whole new just a larger scale business operation it's interesting to see vendors that we know of from my other business and how the like front end of their business like it's cool to see the dynamic and like how the front end of like manufacturing and going to retail and the systems and processes in place for a large company that you would work with versus how the back end of retail, it's just like you could tell how much time and effort just the front end of retail industry has compared to the back end of retail, the returns side of things. That's what everybody focused on for so long is and how like dynamic and all the technology that's in place to handle POs and returns and tracking systems and all issues like manufacturing, the freight and the warehousing. And it's like, 
the reverse side of that is all the returns and management and it's like nobody spent any time on that so it's still pretty young and to see how much waste and like variance there is it's like everything when you're manufacturing and producing and making stuff for retail like it's priced to the last cent it's just very different so that's one thing it's just interesting to see especially when you're doing something like a stone where it's just like cost is everything just like getting my foot in the door with some of these big vendors that we're manufacturing for now it's crazy if i didn't do this like i would never be able to probably get those relationships that i spent 30 years in the game you're saying you had to buy into you get your foot out of the door essentially by buying this company in which you also bought the problems with it. a lot of business a lot of debt a lot of challenges a lot of headaches a lot of mismanagement really crazy to see a business that's servicing some like household names be basically operating from like the hip like just shooting from the hip no structure the most antiquated systems and processes of managing like huge POs. It's just like very dated. And so you can see where it's, man, these are like, if I just integrated like some like simple commonalities that are in most businesses nowadays, is like, this is just being a more effective business. Because there's like a lot of debt on that company and like restructuring that and renegotiating things. It's just a lot. And it's sometimes I'm like, man, like I don't, I really don't need to be doing this shit. But something about it like also energizes me. It's a constant battle. Luckily, this business worked for so many years without a lot of like fine-tuning. And I think for 20 years, it's like it worked. And then the industry got smarter and tech got involved and people started understanding their costs better and their needs and like then their the companies here grew and so those needs as you grow as a company it's like if you're manufacturing stuff we really need to know our lead times and our manufacturing times and our cost per unit and what how to if we switch from cardboard from crates like what's that going to save us on freight and like can we put more stuff in a container like this got so detailed and i don't think that company ever updated with that and so they had a counterpart here where they were basically like making the money and there was just no investment in any of the infrastructure back there. And so the problem with that is as the industry grew, it's like they just started lagging behind. And so then orders would not be produced on time and or like the cost per unit's off and they're like losing money and, and then nobody top down was like, yeah, let's we need to fix this. It's just like, no, it's worth still, it's great. And then it just got yeah. to this point where it's like, COVID, and then COVID hit. Yeah, and then it really and then it really fucked them and so like any cash reserves that were over there just got depleted they had some other stuff or like government loan money that wasn't supposed to be repaid and then they had to repay it and this got in a situation where it's like oh man like we should have probably like added new machinery and tech and infrastructure and processes in place so that we are a well-oiled machine versus being a non-well-oiled machine operating on technology from 20 years ago. And so it's just like, they were not optimized. And there's like, deals are made on handshakes and verbal. Like there's just, it's just very like shooting from the hip. So it's like lucky that it lasted this long and it's great. And like, it was a good business, but I'm like, there's just like some key things that should have been fixed a long time ago that could have prevented a lot of the issues that were faced. So like when I like came, when I came into the situation of I could take this over and run it, it's just like, how I structured the deal um, 
changed over time and like how I acquired the deal also changed over time. But like the key components is just, you could just list off seven things where you're like, why wasn't this done five years ago? Why wasn't this done 10 years ago? This is not rocket science. So your goal is to remedy these things and that's where you see the opportunity to revitalize it essentially is in fixing some. Well, that would vertically integrate my process. Now, instead of going to somebody to manufacture tile, it's like I'm manufacturing my own tile. Like instead of going somebody to make our marble furniture, like we're making our own marble furniture. And then also it's like my pricing's way lower. Like when we do quarry to quarry buying, I'm buying stuff from Italy. It's like my price is now the factory's price. It just puts me in a better position, but there's a lot of upfront costs and like acquiring the business, restructuring the business, hiring people, firing people, creating an infrastructure here, then integrating the systems from there that do or don't exist with systems that do or don't exist here and trying to create some sort of harmonious connection to the business so that we can also understand like what blocks we need, how many blocks we have on the ground, what the yield is, how long is it taking to produce stuff, like what we can fit into containers, like lead times. What are the delays? If a customer went from doing a million dollars in orders to five million in orders, like what does that look like? How long is it going to take us to acquire those blocks to do that? Can we even handle that amount of order size? And so just all these things where it's like they're guessing. And I'm like, no, I want a system in place. So like you pull up in the system and salespersons, yeah, they want to do double in size this year. And it's like, yeah, this is, we have all this data and it's very easy to say, yes, we can handle that. Yes, this is the lead time. Yes, this is how long it's going to take. Yes, these are the cuts that we can or can't do. The other thing is like in business, it's like you need to be able to say no sometimes. And like they would just say yes to every order. And some of the orders are like not in their wheelhouse. So it really bogged them down. It would bottleneck the business. Like now we got to figure out how to do this order that we have no business doing, trying to figure it out. It's actually making them slow down in the areas that they're really good at. And so like the whole thing gets bogged down. Like, dude, we need to say no to the stuff. Like what's our lane? What are we good at? What can we accomplish and with certainty? And then who fits into that mold? That's the people I want to do business with. The other side is just like simple stuff, like taking deposits on orders. I'm making you a million dollar. Practice, yeah. I'm like, if you place a million dollar order with me and I have to then secure $200,000 in raw material, $175,000 in just my raw production cost, and then whatever other stuff, you should be paying a deposit. You need to have skin in the game in order to secure that we can do that. The problem was they were getting all these orders and they're like, yeah, we're going to fund this with no money that they had. So like the decision, all the decisions that were made, the shitty ones were based on, we don't have money. We need to produce this order. We also need to pay for overhead. And so it just, that's a trickle effect. And if people don't want to do that, we had a large vendor I told you about where it was like, they had a hundred thousand dollar order, which is peanuts in this business. Their terms were pay when it's ready to ship loaded on the container. And they came to us and they were like, nah, like we want 90 day terms. And I'm like, yeah, we could talk about 90 day terms on the next order. Can you place the next order? But the agreement is that you pay when it ships. That's been up until this point. Nothing's changed. They're just like, nah, like we're not doing that. They literally sell. This is a hostage negotiation. <laughs> I was like, brother, I'm Jason Bourne, man. If you think I'm the hostage, you got another thing coming. And if you think I'm going to get on my knees for a hundred grand, I'm like, dude, I don't need to be doing this. So I paid for their container and I took it. And then they're all like, oh, you can't use our stuff and our brand. I was like, you didn't pay. It's not yours. It's my packaging. It's my material. It's my line of fucking stuff now. You didn't pay. And the problem with that too is like customers that refuse to do that, we're also going to a recession, right? The customer refuses to do that. I'm like, 
you're telling me you want to place potentially a million dollar order, but you're backing out on paying a hundred thousand dollar order. If you can't pay me a hundred thousand dollars today and you're a multi nine figure corporation, why the fuck would I ever be even tantalized in the idea of you placing a million dollar order? I'm like, if you can't pay me a hundred grand that you've already agreed to paying, why would I do a million dollar order with you? I would never. A lot of retail here is built on the backs of just like small companies and manufacturing and they have the leverage. They're like, dude, we're target. We'll take your shit, but I want 120 day terms. I'm paying you nothing. There's going to be a 50% buyback if it doesn't sell within this time period. And they're just like most manufacturers they are doing that. They're like, we need your business. So like they will cower and stretch themselves and sweat bullets just to get the business. And I'm like, I'm not in the business of being in a business relationship with you just to say your name. Like you might be this big name that everybody wants to be like, oh man, you work with them. Like, I don't care if you don't pay your bills and you can't pay for your invoices and it's pulling teeth to get it done and I'm not making any money. I don't want to be in business with you. This should be a two-way relationship. We're helping you manufacture, create, and develop a line of material that's going to be a line that you're going to put into the U.S. market or whatever market it is that's going to generate revenue and drive sales for you. And that's what we're bringing to the table. And we're executing on that. You need to bring something to the table on our end. That's one of the things I'm changing. I'm like, I'm not doing business with people just the sake of name dropping. I'd rather have Joe Schmo down the street that pays his bills and nobody knows about him and he's moving weight. And so I know that these companies are used to doing that. And so they get their way. They deal with overseas manufacturers. I understand the challenges also. Like I've been manufacturing overseas in a variety of nations for 13 years and so like i know how hard it is to deal with a clothing manufacturer or accessories manufacturer like they speak english but they don't it doesn't come across anyway your tonality doesn't come across the same theirs doesn't how you say something they don't it doesn't they don't accept it the same way that there is a language barrier even though they're like yeah okay i get it like they get half of what you're saying and it's like this is constant like hammering home the same thing said different ways so they really get the point. And so like most manufacturers are used to just like yelling, putting their foot down, being like, this is how we do it. And if you fuck it up, it's on you. And so like, I understand that perspective, but in this industry, there's almost no, from a manufacturer standpoint, there's almost no US counterpart with a US team that is like speaking to them. So they're used to going to Portugal or China or Turkey and dealing with those people. And it's annoying and it's a mess. And they're used to yelling and just like being like, we're, XX company and we're worth $300 million and you're going to keel to us. The difference was I got on these calls and like, I'm American. I've been manufacturing for far too long and I make enough money in other businesses that I don't need to pander and fucking cater to your request over fucking a hundred thousand dollar order. Come talk to me when you're placing a $10 million order. Then we can talk about terms and how we want to structure this and your payment methods and, you know, expectations. I've had times where I had no money. I accepted a contract knowing in my head, I'm like, I'm probably going to hate this for life. I need the money. Then I do it. I'm like every day, every call, every email, every time I'm working on it, I'm like pulling teeth. I'm like, I hate this. I shouldn't have done this. But then I'm like, I need the money. You're just like every week goes by. It's like the weekend hits. You're like, another week. I'm like, I don't want to live like that. But like I now it's just because I'm in the position I'm in. I'm like, yeah, man, like I speak one from experience, but two from fucking confidence because I know how shit should be run. I didn't just build the shit overnight and like making a couple million dollars. We're fucking, we're a big ass company. It's like the reason why retailers always had so much power is because they were like, we are the marketing. If you want to get into our store, we have the customer base, we have the footprint, we have the ability to grow your brand. 
And that's why e-commerce blew up because people are like, oh, if I do this right and learn how to market and create a good brand and have a good product and I can figure out some of these other th things that are required, I don't need retail. And retail, it's, the terms are shit. And so it's that's just like the... I don't know the difference in like how the world turns, but there's a lot of these just like big companies where it's still, that's their thought process. My, my question is, man, like how these big companies are cool, but it's like, it's not as sexy as everybody thinks it is. Like they want to say that they, man, I got picked up by XX store. I'm being this store. You know, a lot of people do that. They Great, post about that store. Yeah. And then <laughs> they're like, they do that. And I'm like, I know I'm like, welcome to hell. Yeah. yeah, like on Shark Tank, where they're always like, oh, bro, yeah. don't go into retail. Like, yeah. they're like, dude, you're doing great online. Let's scale the online. Because they're like, do you go to retail? It's going to be a fucking whirlwind to hell. You're just launching a beverage. They're like, bro, you're going to be fighting for shelf space. The amount of money. They're like, you don't even know. Like, they've done it the so many freight, times. The shipping. Yeah, like they're like, dude, they're like, we've done it so many times. Like, you don't, this is not a battle you want to fight. And it's not one I'm going to invest in. That's that down. quote that I have. It's like, do you really want to win or just look good losing? That's the best quote because that's literally everybody on social media. It's, no, nah, I just want to look good losing. I want to look like I'm doing stuff. I want to look like I'm in retail. I want to look like I'm fucking successful. I want to look like I'm playing the part. But deep down inside, you're like, I can't sleep at night. I'm fucking broke. I'm not fucking paying the bills. Like, yeah. You can't pay me a hundred grand that you owe me. Yeah. I'm like, how fucking leveraged are you? Yeah. That's bad. I'm like, and that's a lot of big fucking companies. And it's the same thing with this whole fucking rise in VC shit. It's like everybody's just, the pitch is not the business. The pitch is like, how can I get you to get me money? And then it's cool. Now we have runway. It's like we can fuck around until we need more money. But it's not like, how do we improve sales and actually get profit and create a good business and create longevity? And they hire a shit ton of people. And then it's a recession. It's like, we got to fire all these people. I'm like, why? If you're actually building a good business, you wouldn't have to be doing that. But yeah. because they just get this, they just pitch the money and they got a fat check. People are just like very cavalier with throwing money around. It's like when you build something from nothing and you've had no money and you've turned it into something that generates, you know the value of the dollar. That's why I always talk about that broke mindset because I don't want to lose that perspective where I'm like, money can just fix this. I can throw money at the problem. I can hire whoever I want. You just get very fucking complacent. So like whenever I like level up, I'm like, I put myself in this broke mindset. So I'm like, I think about things from a, the same perspective as I did from day one so that I'm not just thinking that throwing dollars at it is going to make it work. It's like, no, is it, do we need to hire these people? What are they really going to bring to the table? Like I'm really analyzing like why we need to hire these folks, like why we need to bring on another team, like why we need to add this into the business. I'm always thinking, I'm like, and I think I'm like, if I do it, I'm like, bro, like we're going to be on the edge. We might not be actually, but that's just like where my head's at. And yeah. I'm always thinking, cause like to me, I'm like, that's the best way to navigate this world so that you make the right choices. And so there's just, I don't know, you see just like money get thrown around these big companies and VC and it's, oh, it's like, are you really focused on building a business or you're just like, people are just focused on like, how do I get this, make it look good enough for a couple of years so I can exit? And it's like, the companies are never profitable. Yeah. It's like, you're not building a business. You're just building a name and a brand and, and you sell off to somebody else. Like making starter wood. Like the you likelihood know, like of you making an Amazon that's finally once turned to profit, so much money they were losing forever. That's so rare. That's the ultimate unicorn. It's bro. Think about every business everybody wants to be. Uber and all these other. I'm like, I don't even think they're, most of them are still turning a fucking profit. They're all in the fucking red. Yeah. It's just. So it's just like, those are like the, that's like the North Star that everybody looks at. Like, when I start a business, like, that's what I want to make. I'm like, dude, that's not building a business. These aren't real companies. These are, they're not profitable. Like, you need to focus on like the real meat of business. 
like profitable, good, sustainable business that's hiring people when they need to hire, pay people up so that they can take on more responsibility instead of hiring 10 guys to do fucking two jobs. Like, I don't know, man. It's just like a lot of fucking complacency in business because they just, people just don't want, again, it's like don't want to do the work. Mm-hmm. Everybody I've hired, I'm like, yeah, we probably could have 5X the workforce, like most of our competitors. But I'm like, I don't need to. I pay people a little bit more. I give them big responsibility and I hire some smart motherfuckers. And I'm like, I'm doing this because I think you're going to take on the workload and you're going to crush it. And when we do hit that point that we need to hire somebody, it's like more times than not, we hire somebody to fill that role. And it's like, man, we need maybe a couple more. So it's like that one person could carry the weight of five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people. It's just Those dead. people usually know good people. Yeah. It's like, just like a trickle down. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. It's just interesting how like what people look to as a business. I'm like, bro, like retail isn't that sexy. And it's not sexy going to business with most of these guys. Sounds awful. Honestly, There's a lot yeah. of the most of the people that are making the most money are doing all the non-sexy shit. They're not on social media. They're doing shit behind the fucking scenes. And see like, a lot it's of not, retail. And it's not your Uber and everything else, bro. It's a lot of people in retail like they build that business so long, and then they're like attached to it being successful that they just start diluting themselves. Like, you, how many times have you heard about someone that started like a CPG brand, even that like it's actually doing well, and then they're like, fuck. I guess I need to get money. So now I'm just dilute myself. Dilute. Yeah. And then they've built this company and it's like some big name brand. And like they walk away from it with to the work they put in yeah, like, like peanuts. fucking peanuts yeah. just to go out and then raise money to fucking do it. It's, it's really, it's really fucked. It brings me to a good point. Something you've talked about before. A lot of times it's like not sexy businesses that have the opportunity for innovation. It's like even with logistics, right? It's like, you just happen to tap into that industry at a moment in time where you were able to leverage a lot of skills that you already had and over index on that. So what would you say for like people that are trying to start a business, trying to like think of what they can do? Like, I think it's so easy and natural to be like, well, I'm going to look at something that I like to do and I'm going to go try and just do that agency, a lot of typical shit, but it's like for people that maybe want to try and get ahead, what are some of the things that you, now that you know better, what are the things that you look for when you're trying to get into a new endeavor? Like even this morning we were talking about the, like the cream of rice thing. It's what is your approach towards trying to, I'm a creative. A so idea? like the cream of rice thing is I see the creative aspect and I see the tools that we have here, whether it's our relationships, capital, this space, our ability to market, create brands. Like we have a lot at our disposal. And so when something like that comes along, and we think of the name that fast and I see the distribution. That's a good name. Like I can, I maps out my brain really quick and I'm like, oh, I see that. I see how this goes. And so to me, I'm like, that's one way where like something comes and it fits in my mold of how my brain works. And I fucking could just, I fit the puzzle that fast. I'm like, we should probably spend some money and test this out. Otherwise it's really, it's problem solving. And I know people fucking say that you just need to open your mind to hearing problems that you probably aren't thinking of because like when you when people say that to me like, be the salute be the problem solver for somebody's business i'm like i don't know like what business blah, sounds blah, blah. insignificant up, i don't know you could value. be could be as like as odd as like i could go to a bike store to get my bike serviced and the guy there's man if we just had a thing where it was like this and like able to get that we have this problem because we're getting it from China and like maybe because you read some article you know that they make that lubricant from Turkey and it's just like you hear something odd and you're like I think I could figure that out that's how I got into this it's just like somebody brought up something really fucking odd and obscure to me 
it just like piqued my interest. I was like, I've never heard of this. Just looked into it. And I was like, I could maybe make some money on this. And then like bought some appliances and some other things, made some money. And as I went through it, I was like, I'm doing this, but I keep running into this challenge when I do it. If I could just fix this part, this would be a little bit better. And so I'm like, I fixed the little part. I'm like, now it's a little bit better. And as I made it better and it grew, I was like, now I'm facing these two challenges. And if I could fix those things, I could make this a little bit better. And if I fix this other thing, I was like, we could be a lot better. So I'm like, oh, I, I think I could fix that for sure. And I definitely think if I could fix that, then I'm, this is a no brainer to fix. I fixed that and it got a lot better. And I'm like, okay, what else is like bogging me down? It's just like, as those things come, it's, it's not like you could just look at anything and be like, what's the problem here? It's not like, oh, like a doctor dissecting. I guess it could be, but in my opinion, it's more so like just opening your mind to the idea that anything, it could be somebody out here, we're getting our parking lot painted. Yeah. Could be those guys coming and be like, say something that's making it hard for them. Like, yeah, it's just been slowing us down. Like we usually used to crush, but like this isn't available anymore or we don't have this. If we only had that or whatever. And like something or enough where like, I'd be like, I'm going to fucking research this. Cause that seems like so mm -hmm. dumb that they can't get that or so dumb that that's not working like well, that. I remember even when we had all these boxes from all the equipment that we unbox here and we called a like waste removal company. It's yeah. like, that's not a sexy business, but it was really literally just like a truck with fucking stuff up the sides. So they could put more than what would fit in the bed. And it's like they, we had the two guys that were building the equipment or whatever. And they were like, Oh, we'll do it for half that cost. It's like, these guys are like, they have a solution for this. And I mean, it's going to be gone in 10 minutes. It's, yeah. This makes sense. Just It's like making, if you can make somebody's life easier, and yeah. they it, to them, it's the cost associated with doing it. Like, I always look at when I hire people to do that waste removal, right? So he calls me, like, it's $1,000. And I'm like, would I, could somebody pay me $1,000 to do it? And if you couldn't pay me $1,000 to do it, I'm like, it's worth it. Yeah. So it's like, anything that comes up like that, I'm like paint this room i've painted a whole interior of a house by hand by myself yeah. so somebody comes it's like and then it's yeah. twenty five hundred dollars to do this i'm like i wouldn't do this shit for twenty five hundred dollars yeah. and it's like, all they do and hard is you're probably going to do it way better way than better anyone else that i could pay to come and meander about for it but i think like what i take away from what you were saying previously is that it's not about always trying to come and solve the big problem there are like i remember i think i was thinking of that guy that came to the office and we just christened him yeah yeah it's like he comes in and he's like, any problem i can solve it i'm the guy and yeah. it's like instead of just coming in and like i told him before i even brought you in there i told him i was like it's a buzzword now. yeah i was like i came in i was like we need slab pictures all the time slab yeah. content can you just come in he's like talking about all this way out there shit didn't pay attention to what i was saying to him that like i was like and this is he, our problem right and then he over indexed and tried to validate yeah. like his position which was like, I run an agency that's automating itself and it's crushing. So like, I'm looking to do something else. I'm like, bro, if you're running a real business, you're going to be like, it's automating itself. And like, we're going to fuck off and go work double, for somebody yeah. else. And be like, no, like, how do I grow that? And then he's, yeah, but I think about closing it down. I'm like, that, Those these things don't, th add, th up. They don't yeah. add up. It's like, who do you think you're talking and to? And it's just like, and it's not like wrong because I've been there before. I've yeah. done that, but I'm like, we, we've done it. Yeah. So I'm like, Bro, I've done the bullshit. Well, to what but you're saying, I guess, to my reason for bringing run, that up. run in a second here. Okay. Yeah. I'll wrap it up with this. I think the message that I want to get across is if you just build a habit of solving problems, it doesn't have to be. You don't have to start by trying to fucking impress people by knocking out of the park. Knock something super small of the park and then build off that. And then as you build as you build rapport for just being a problem solver, it's like you're talking about with logistics. Like... <laughs> 
you didn't come in and be, swing your dick and say, I'm going to do all this. You're like, let me just solve this one thing. And then as you validated that you could solve that for them, they're like, oh, let's give this guy a little bit more. Yeah. Give him more. Let's give I, him. And then it's, it I think just, that's good practice. Yeah. It's just be a problem solver in general yeah. for anything. And then the right opportunity is going to come along. You're going to solve the right problem for the right person at the right time because you've been doing it for three years straight. And the right opportunity is going to come along and your shit's going to explode. And like, it just takes that. I was in business for fucking basically eight plus, seven plus years, like before like shit really started to turn for me. And it was just like constant repetitions of the same general stuff that I was doing and just like thinking a little bit more intuitive as I was doing, I was like, and I'd get a little traction here and there. And I'm like, okay, this is working. I'd go and go. And like, I got that office. And I did nothing I was supposed to do in that office, but because I was just sticking and just doing the reps, we talk about the reps, I was just making the reps and like the right thing hit at the right time. But like, had I not made any of the reps before that, I wouldn't have been there. I wouldn't have had that office. The opportunity would have came along and I would just be fucking sitting there holding my dick in my hand still wondering like, how am I going to make more money? Eat Quest chips. There you go. Nice. All well, right. That's the episode. That's the episode. I got to run. All right.